doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to major pain. Blah, let me do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to major pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and I'm joined once again by my amazing girlfriend, the lovely Andy L. Haddiff. Andy, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm honored to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little bit of a special show for you today. I have a, a bunch of things that I just really wanted to talk to you about, mm -hmm. you, the audience. Um, so I asked Andy to join me and we're just going to kind of go through it. I mean, a lot has happened. I have some updates about my health. I do not have a diagnosis yet. I don't want to get people falsely excited. Um, <laughs> but I do want to catch everyone up on where we're at in the search for my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And also Andy and I just got back from our trip to Tahoe where we had a really awesome time. And we also had a lot of experience with, um, you know, traveling with the wheelchair for me. Mm -hmm. And we actually got to try out a off-road wheelchair, mm. which we rented from this place called Achieve Tahoe. And we learned a lot there about um, what's possible for people in wheelchairs. Yeah. And I just learned a lot about my body through this experience, mm -hmm. you know. So, we just have a lot to talk about. And I also, <laughs> we have an email that I really want to share with you that had a question attached. And I actually tried to record and answer that question before we left for Tahoe. And I talked for so long, I just and it was so rambly, I just had to throw it away. <laughs> so I'm hoping with Andy here, it can rein me in a little bit. That's um, what I'm really good at is reining you in. Yes. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this week is going to be a little different, a little bit of a community focus on my journey and, and you know, on, on our community here at the podcast as a whole. And then next week, we'll be back to hearing from people about their stories of living with chronic illness. That will always be the focus of this show. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, every once in a while, I just get backed up with all these things that I have to say. And I'm just going to take an episode and say them. It's going to happen. And we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it is actually 100 degrees outside. <laughs> It's so freaking hot. We actually have a fan running in the apartment. So if you hear a little bit of background noise, that's what it is. I think I might be able to get the background noise out with some noise gating, but um, just so everyone knows, we're sweating over here. <laughs> this is not our typical Seattle June. <laughs> no, it is very warm. We are not prepared. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I've been getting some really awesome emails from some of the listeners. I haven't shared any on the show yet. A lot of them are very personal and a lot of them are just me kind of talking back and forth with people um, in, in the email setting. But I got an email that was really special. It had a question at the end that I thought would be really good to share with the podcast. And I did get permission to share this one. So we're going to jump into it. So this is an email from Morgan. Hello, Jesse. I've been wanting to write you an email since I heard your story, but I've been and am still unsure how to write it. As someone who is chronically ill, I've been searching for a podcast like yours, something that I can always listen to that centers people's experiences with pain and illness. And I'm so grateful and happy to have found it. Grateful to you for creating it. My health has been applying chaos theory to itself, and the last few months have been especially rough on me. I have found solace and comfort in your, your and your guests' experiences, and I've been able to see glimpses of things I've dealt with and am still dealing with, specifically your CSF leak, fibromyalgia, and functional neurological disorder misdiagnosis, and your extreme sensitivity to mold. Although my own experiences are quite different, as my CSF leaks have an unknown cause, my misdiagnosis covered up my Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, POTS, and mast cell disease the latter of which causes almost constant allergic reactions, extreme sensitivities, mold included, and a barrage of bizarre symptoms. 
I'm curious if you plan on, on further sharing about these topics, especially your own experience with the CSF leak and more of what you faced and dealt with surrounding your misdiagnoses. Thank you for your time, Morgan. I was so touched by that email, and also my heart goes out to you, Morgan. It sounds like you're going through a lot, and I obviously empathize with you. I mean, you know, with every chronic illness, there's everything is completely different in each body, but then there are these similarities mm. that we all experience. I'm so glad that you're finding some solace in the show. And, you know, since getting this email, I have actually scheduled a recording with Morgan. So we are planning to uh, talk to Morgan and have them come on the show, which I'm really excited about because definitely sounds like you've got a story to share. Um, but yeah, so there was a couple questions in here that I wanted to address. The first was uh, my experience with the CSF leak. So that's a cerebral spinal fluid leak. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that happened to me, Andy, before you met me. This was you yeah. know, about 10 years ago yeah. uh, when I first went through diagnostics trying to figure out my mystery illness. Mm-hmm. I had a lumbar puncture. So, are you familiar with a lumbar puncture? Only through you. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I know because you've told me about it, but um, yeah. before that, I, I had not really encountered that. My experience with it before having it done to me was seeing it on House, on the show House. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, you know, you lie down and they mm-hmm. stick a needle in the base of your spine mm-hmm. into your spinal column, you know, into your spinal cord Mm. and extract some fluid. Ooh, wow. Sounds great. Yeah. And then they use that to run tests. (laughs) So, you know, checking for different viruses or bacteria or whatever, or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they test in your spinal fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very painful to have done. They Mm. cannot give you any sort of, you know, numbing agent or anything because it's, and it's a very sensitive area. Yes. And they don't want to, you know, do anything accidentally that could affect your spinal cord. Right. Um, so basically they stick a needle in, suck out some fluid, run mm-hmm. some tests. And when this happened to me, there is a common side effect that I experienced called a CSF leak or cerebral spinal fluid leak, where the hole from where the needle went in doesn't mm-hmm. heal up right away and mm-hmm. some fluid starts to leak out of your spinal cord. Ugh. And it's extremely, extremely painful because it causes an incredibly bad headache. A um, headache. Yeah, a headache. That's like the main symptom is just like this massive pounding headache. So when I mm-hmm. left the hospital, I said, okay, if you start having a headache, yeah. let us know. Yeah. And a couple hours later, I called them back. Or I, I you know, I actually don't remember the timeline very well because I was in so much pain. I was not thinking clearly. Yes. And actually, my memories of this event were really disjointed. Mm. And I had to call my mom and ask her, I was like, hey, what happened? Like, yeah. what did we do? Right. Um, so I pieced this back together by yeah. doing some research yeah. and talking to my mom. And what they do when you have a CSF leak is they do what's called a blood patch, Hmm. where they suck up some of your blood into a syringe, and then they inject it right around where they did the the lumbar puncture, Hmm. because your blood will coagulate and patch that hole. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, in a a natural way. Um, So I went back to the hospital and had that done, I think the next day, maybe the day after, and I was just like crazy headache the whole time um went back had the blood patch thankfully it worked and that was the end of that story Mm -hmm. they didn't find anything in my lumbar puncture that could explain my my mystery illnesses and i've been (laughs) living in fear ever since that they were going to ask me to do another oh i really don't want that no well you already had to go through the um the nerve (laughs) test twice i remember that one so painful yeah that that test sucks that was the emg i think yes and i remember you telling me about it before 
you had it done two times and the second time I was with you. Yeah. But I remember you, because te- we had been just talking about all the different tests you'd you'd had over the course mm. of your health journey. And um, and that one, I remember you telling me, was like really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so I, I also remember when they recommended that you do it again and thinking like, <laughs> but you were actually very, you were a trooper. You were just like, we whatever we need to do to get some... To cross things off the list, we're going to do it. Yeah. The second time wasn't as bad either because he could tell right away that what he was looking for, he wasn't finding. Yes. Right. Um, Yes. It's a nerve conductivity test where Mm -hmm. they send electricity through your nerves and measure it at both ends Mm. to see um, if it's degrading somehow. Yeah. And I don't have that. So that's good. Yes. But Um, hopefully you will never have to have the lumbar puncture again. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely the worst test experience that I've had. And, you know... In Morgan's email, she was talking about, you know, having more than one leak or like, uh, you know, I we've been emailing back and forth a little bit and it sounds like there have been some leaks that, you know, they don't know why this happened, but mm-hmm. spinal fluid kept leaking out. Yeah. And that just sounds really awful. So terrible. I'm so sorry, Morgan. That yeah. is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Morgan also asked about my misdiagnoses, um, specifically the functional neurological disorder. Mm. And uh, I've also been misdiagnosed with Lyme disease and fibromyalgia yeah. and uh, chronic migraines and allergies, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I have allergies, but they're not related to my mystery illness that yeah, we know of. Right. Um, yeah, and my, my misdiagnoses have been like these, uh, it's, it's like this sliding scale that's like logarithmically growing. It's mm. like each time the diseases are more and more frightening that I am <laughs> misdiagnosed with. Yeah, yeah, um, I guess that's kind of true. Yeah, it went from allergies to migraines to fibromyalgia to Lyme disease. Um, and Conversion then disorder. Conversion disorder, yes. Yeah. And now my official diagnosis is, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, autonomic dysfunction, mm. which doesn't really mean anything specific except yeah. that like something about my body's not working right something is wrong yeah yeah it's also really interesting to talk about like i think sometimes people who don't go through this type of process don't understand why someone would be so fixated on finding a diagnosis and or they don't understand why um if you get a diagnosis of some kind you would keep searching yeah um or how or how that would become not relevant anymore or how your symptoms may progress to a point where that diagnosis is then misproven or you don't present Mm -hmm. like they thought you did because there are certain diagnoses where there's not like a here's the blood test and it absolutely confirms that you have this you know right and so um so as you progress and you change your the relevance of what makes that diagnosis accurate can change absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah that's such a good point and a lot of these diagnoses are clinical diagnoses, yes, exactly. which means that a clinician or a doctor mm-hmm. um, sees you in the clinic and says, you have this yes, based off of like poking at you a little bit right. or asking you a few questions. It right. is not a, um, you know, the type of diagnosis that I really want to get, which is one where you look at blood work or you find a virus or you, sure. you find some definitive evidence of a right. thing. Right. Yeah. So all of my diagnoses up until this point have all been... Um, non-conclusive, you know? Yeah, even even yeah. when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, it was a, a false positive test that my doctor yes. thought was positive. Right. And we treated it for a year and didn't get any better. Right. Um, and I, all the other opinions said you don't have Lyme disease. Right. But I still, you know, 
you know, I've been posting about my stuff on TikTok for the Major Pain podcast TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I still get see people on TikTok saying, dude, you have Lyme disease. Yeah, and I'm like, right. okay, person who's never met me who right. wasn't a doctor. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think like, I don't know, there are certain doctors who have opinions of there are certain diagnoses that, you know, people don't want to hear because there's not a lot you can do. Yeah. And that if you don't, and that their patients don't want to accept that, so they go looking for more answers. And I think that that's a very linear way to look at it. Like, I don't actually think that incorporates the full picture of what those patients are experiencing. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and I, I understand from a very Western mindset medically, and also just from the perspective of certain hospitals that aren't as focused on patient care. Like, okay, I told you you have fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you don't want to accept that because there mm -hmm. isn't really much you can do about that. Mm -hmm. And why would you keep searching when I've told you? That's happened to me. Yeah. and Because I've been diagnosed yeah. with fibromyalgia. Like, you remember when we went to the pain clinic? Yes. The yes, UW pain clinic? Yes, yes, So, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia midway through living in Seattle about right. like five-ish years ago. Right. And... um. And it helped at first, you know, mm -hmm. we talked about this in the first episode where I kind of followed the procedure for what you do if you have fibromyalgia and it yeah. helped. Yeah. But then years later, it stopped helping and I got worse for no reason. And yes. we and went back into diagnostics and right. all the doctors like, no, you don't have fibromyalgia. It doesn't present right, like this at all. Because it would also, you would be able to maintain that um, stability through the practices that you were already doing. Right. Um, but I mean, I'm again, like fibromyalgia is such a broad a term in some yeah. ways and it doesn't so i don't know but it is an interesting topic of like what does it do to be able to say what you have like to give it a name outside of obviously whatever approach is associated with it for you know care like okay let's say you have boogly doogly disease <laughs> like, you know yeah, bd bd yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you have boogly doogly disease, right? But let's say with boogly doogly, there's really nothing you can do, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it's it's just about like trying to maintain a, as healthy a lifestyle as possible. And but you can say I have BD, right? Like, is there significance to it, even if it doesn't actually help you, quote unquote, get better or give you a path towards? healing or even yeah oh, absolutely you know and i Huge think that there is something about that and i wonder sometimes about fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome that like these have been terms that have been created to give people that thing to hold on to you know in, well, in I do certain think, cases i do think that fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome are both real yes you know i i, oh, I totally agree i would never I, if anyone out there that's your diagnosis you know, I don't want to be the person to tell you that's not real. Oh, no, like, no, not that's not what I mean at but, all. What but I the thing for me is like when I first was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, it actually helped me so much that yes. I was really happy about it. Yes, you know, like yes. I was thrilled to have this diagnosis yes. and I had years where I stopped looking and right. I was happy to do so because mm -hmm. it's like, finally, I have the answer. This yes. seems to be helping and that's yes. all I've ever wanted. And right. now that, I can go back to life as normal. And when people ask me, why aren't you feeling well today? It's like, it's my fibromyalgia. <laughs> yes. And, but I think, sorry, that, let me clarify because I yeah. really want to say, I also think that fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, that those are real s syndromes or experiences and di diagnoses. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, and it applies to you in this case of like, sometimes I wonder if doctors give that diagnosis, even when 
it's not necessarily accurate. Yes. But it's to provide that person yes. with a sense that of that. That is also true. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, fibromyalgia is many in many cases, and the same with conversion disorder mm-hmm. or functional neurological disorder, mm-hmm. they can both be diagnoses of exclusion mm. where you go see a doctor and they say, well, I can't find anything on the tests. Yes. So this is what you have. Yeah. You have fibromyalgia, which is chronic pain. Yeah. And you know, I was going to say about the pain clinic. Um, yes. We went yeah. to the pain clinic like when I first started going to UW about a year, year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And he saw the notes from the doctor right. five years prior who had diagnosed me with fibromyalgia and he's like why are you still looking for a for a diagnosis you already have one and i'm like no i don't like every other doctor since then has said no right like i've seen you know two other neurologists three other neurologists who've all said no we have found other things on my test results that point to other things right but he like wouldn't let go of of that diagnosis. So he wouldn't yeah. let go of the diagnosis. Yeah. So I couldn't get care from this caretaker. It was really upsetting. Yeah, it's real. It is. And then you, and then you go into the realm of like, okay, well, why do we um, have names and diagnoses for things so that we can, well, so that we can categorize them and then we can know how to treat them because we look at all the people that have that thing that we named mm-hmm. and we see what works for them. And we do research on how that, physically happens in the body and how that manifests and blah, blah, blah. But it's really all just trying to categorize things so that we can address them. And so there is a lot of power in having a name for something. Yeah. And having um, an understanding in your mind of what's happening in your body. It makes such a big difference. It is huge. And you, and that has been with my journey with you. I feel like that has been one of the most challenging things is to see you go through such clear symptom pictures and not know what is literally happening in your body. That's causing that (laughs) is insane. Right. It feels, it feels maddening because it's like, again, like it'd be terrible if you got a diagnosis, like, ALS or something, you know, mm-hmm. something. But in that scenario, I would be looking at you and I would be going, okay, well, I know this is what's happening. Right. And it's weird because what is actually happening wouldn't be different, but somehow my ability to like process it and categorize it would mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's an interesting thing. However, I'm sure there would be a lot of other worse and more upsetting challenges that would come by having that diagnosis. So. Right. It's complex, you know? Right. Yeah, it's like, it's it's so tough because some diagnoses will offer treatment and others won't. Yeah. You know, and right. without knowing what I have, we don't know if treatment is possible. Yes. Um, so, every time we get close to a diagnosis, I do all this research and learn all this stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, this is what's happening in my body. Yeah. And then we find out I don't have that thing. It's like, yeah. oh, oh, my God, I got to erase all this information <laughs> yeah. that I just learned. You know, yeah. I mean, we saw that naturopath for years yeah. who wanted me to give up on having a diagnosis and right. just let him um, cure me, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know, using his methods. And it didn't work. And for that whole time, I was like trying to let go of knowing what it was yeah. and just focusing on the treating of it. Yes. And and after that didn't work, I was so mad because I'd lost all that time yeah. that I could have been searching. I mean, that's the biggest thing you. about misdiagnoses is that you just lose time that you could be treating whatever's going on. Sure. And if I have a, a progressive illness, you know, mm. we're now looking at this copper stuff. We're going to update everyone about that in a second. Yeah. But it, the longer I go without treating that, the more potential there is to cause permanent damage. Sure. It's the kind of diagnosis where if we had found it 10 years ago, my life would have been completely normal. Yeah. And I would have had no 
you know, issues with my mobility or legs or, you know, mm. whatever, mm-hmm. permanent. And now we just don't know. Like, I yeah. could have permanent damage you or could. I might not. We just don't know. We just don't know. And yeah. I and we'll talk more about this later in the episode, too. But um, Tahoe plays into all of this in a really interesting way for me yeah, in for terms sure. of, like, I'm, I still do not want to let go of finding an answer. Yeah. But I am feeling less like we have to put our lives on hold to find it. That reminds me of something I really wanted to say, which is that um, for me, there's like two lanes as far as being misdiagnosed is concerned. It's mm-hmm. like you're either actively searching for a diagnosis and yeah. that kind of takes up your entire um, focus. Yeah. Because it's so hard. Totally. And, or you let go of having an answer and mm. try to live your best, most healthy life Yeah. with whatever it is that's going on. Right. And that lane is much more comfortable. Huh. And I... When I got that, you know, fibromyalgia diagnosis, I was able to let go. Mm. And I had some really great years. Yeah. Um, and I think my overall health was so much better because I had let go. But then when it all came back, you know, when I start I, in the midst of those good years, I, I started slipping into bad years and I had no yeah. idea why. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where I had to leave work and, mm-hmm. you know, got into a full blown flare up of whatever this thing is. Which is right when we met. Right when we met. Yeah. yeah. Like months before we met. Yeah. And like, you know all the things that I've been doing for years that work stopped working because sometimes, you know, mystery illness is dynamic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. changes and we don't know why, because we don't know what it is. Absolutely. So, um, you know, when we started dating, I had just been diagnosed with Lyme disease Mm -hmm. because I went back into diagnostics and we found, you know, this false positive test pretty quickly. I'm like six months into diagnostics, Mm -hmm. which feels like forever when you're doing it. But Mm. looking at it now, that was really fast. Yeah. We're still, you know, almost five years later. (laughs) Yeah. um, Like four and a half years later at this point. But yeah. um, But I, again, I like, I was like, Oh wow. I was misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia, but we already have this new answer. Mm. Um, And then, you know, after treating for a year and then going to this new naturopath um, who wanted me to let go of having a diagnosis, like two years after that, you and I had a conversation about, I think it's time to go back into diagnostics. Right. I think we need to start over with a new hospital, Mm -hmm. just throw everything out that we've already done Mm -hmm. um, and start over with a new hospital. And I sat you down, I told you like, this is going to suck because we're going to have to like let go of the freedom of like not worrying about what this is and we're gonna have to like dig down and to try to find it again and i've been through this a couple times and it's really hard yes and it takes up a huge amount of emotional weight (sighs) yeah and um this you know the experience we had in tahoe where we actually like had fun and were able to do things which we're going to talk about in a bit because we got more into the accessibility of outdoor sports which we never even considered totally Um, and that is something that I could have done at any time, but I didn't even know it existed, so I didn't try it. Mm -hmm. And I had been focusing on getting the diagnosis instead of focusing on living my healthiest life day to day because you kind of have to put that on hold because it's like, well, we don't know what's wrong. We're actively looking for what's wrong. So what do I do on this bad day? I have no idea. We just got to wait it out. Right. And that's the mindset I've been in. Yeah. And I do think there is something broader here just that definitely speaks to the experience of an undiagnosed disease, but in general, people struggling with anything, sometimes we tell ourselves, well, when I get my diagnosis, I'll yeah. dot, dot, when I'm yeah. healthy, I'll yeah, dot, yeah, when yeah. I'm skinnier, when I'm richer, when I'm, exactly. right, yes. I'll, I'll do this or I'll be when happy. When COVID is over. Yes, yeah. right. And and while we want to honor and acknowledge the um, 
the way in which those things can definitely work against you and moments when you're struggling with those things where you can't access the energy you need to do what you want to do or you can't. And that's very valid. Also, in the moments where you can fight to access that energy or that experience, like it's worth fighting for and you don't have to wait yeah. till you have those answers or you have that experience or that vision of what you think your version of yourself that's worthy of doing that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, find a way to do it now. Yeah. If something is going to make you happy, find a way to do it now. Mm -hmm. Like find a way to get out in the woods, you know, go get out in nature, you know, <laughs> and we're, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's, that's so true. Like, I, you know, I, I know a lot of friends, a lot of my friends are very creative people. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a content creator. I do my weird Star Trek videos on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is podcast is not the only thing that I create. Mm. Um, and I've had a lot of experience in myself of being like, oh, I really want to make this big thing, but I don't know how to do that yet. So I'm just going to wait, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, that mindset trickled down into the small things of like, well, I don't know how to do this small thing. So I'm going to wait. Mm. And eventually I, I, I flipped this switch in my brain, which was like, what's the smallest thing I can do? Mm, <laughs> you know, what's mm. the easiest, smallest thing mm. that I can do? Cause I need to do that right now. Yes. Right. Um, and then by doing that, I, develop the skills to do something slightly bigger yes and it's a, it's a much more you know uh it, it just makes more sense to approach things that way yeah, i, think, of I like, think so too if you have a creative project you want to do start small yeah make something yeah and get it out you yeah. know don't like fantasize about something mm. for decades make something try something yeah yeah and the same is true of health it's like yeah if you can't do something because mm -hmm. your body is limiting you, what can you do? Yes. Find the thing you can right. do and do it. Because yeah. the little, you know, this is all wrapped up in using a wheelchair for me mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my legs have been really struggling for years. I've been having a really hard time walking for years. Mm. And it finally clicked in to use a wheelchair. Mm. And my world is opening up. Yeah. There's yeah. just so much more I can do. It's like, amazing. I can get out and go for a roll in the sun. I can, you know... Like I do all sorts of things, which we did in Tahoe, which again, we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to wrap up this misdiagnosis stuff with um, yeah, yeah. talking about conversion disorder or functional neurological disorder, because totally. that's another thing I was misdiagnosed with. And this was a really interesting one because I was seeing this neurologist at my old medical center, um, Pacific Medical Center. I don't recommend it. Go to UW instead if you're in Seattle. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a lot more progress there. And she told me on the first day my first visit to the doctor the neurologist she said well i can see you've had an extensive workup done you've seen many neurologists and we may not be able to find an answer for you and if we can't find an answer i'm going to diagnose you with conversion disorder which means that there is some sort of um cross wiring happening in your brain between your stress response or whatever it is mm. and your physical response and you have to go to a behavioral psychologist to unwind those things and make you better mm. so it's sort of um there there is some stigma around conversion disorder yeah in that it is like oh this is all in your head you need to go talk to a shrink and they'll uh -huh. fix you uh -huh. um and there's a lot of doctors who think of it that way and approach it that way mm. and you know, I've, I've had some interactions with other people that have been di diagnosed with functional neurological disorder mm -hmm. um, or conversion disorder, and it has been very helpful for them. And, you know, I, I, I don't believe that anything is all in your head. I think that the mm. body is connected and emotional mm. pain is just as, um, you know, valid yeah. as physical pain. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of emotional pain can manifest as physical pain. I, Absolutely. you know, none of this is black and white. No. I'm just talking about my situation and that the doctor told me on day one, if I can't figure you out, I'm going to give you this diagnosis. Yeah. So that's what happened. She couldn't figure me out. She gave me that diagnosis. I went to the behavioral psychologist who said, within the first 45 minutes, you do not have a conversion disorder. You yeah. Know, yeah. I, I'm happy to see you as a therapist. Yeah. Which, and again, therapy is awesome. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, but nothing that I do is going to change your symptom picture because yeah. this is not conversion disorder. It, but it's so ridiculous because if you think about it, it's as if that doctor said to you, okay, I need to solve for X. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and if I can't figure out what X is, then X is going to equal five. Exactly. And it doesn't matter what the other numbers in the equation are. Right. If I can't figure out what X is, it has to be five. Right. And it's like, you know, it, it's just so broken it's so broken the system and i'm sure that doctor is under pressure to give you that diagnosis yeah i don't think that doctor had any other option because i think that you know you you have to like put a diagnosis in your patient's chart yeah um like that's why my diagnosis is now autonomic dysfunction yeah because there has to be something in my chart right even though that doesn't really mean anything there's there's no like causal relationship to what's happening in my body (laughs) and the term autonomic dysfunction that is a symptom yeah but that is put in as a diagnosis because we don't have a diagnosis exactly um so this was one of the more infuriating situations and it's also a closed loop where um (laughs) doctor tells you i'm gonna give you this diagnosis if i can't diagnose you yeah sends you to the, to the psychologist who says you don't have this yes. then you go back to the doctor and it starts again yes. it's a closed loop and yeah. you can't get out of it totally. which is why i left that medical center yeah uh and everything's been totally different at the university of washington yeah. i keep saying this but find a teaching hospital wherever it is that you live if you can't get a diagnosis go to a teaching hospital there are um different pathways that open in that environment mm-hmm. if you are in the seattle area are in the Washington area, go to the University of Washington. I've had a much better luck there, even though the pain clinic was a bust. Um, a lot of, and you know, I still see doctors that put up closed doors to me as sure. far as finding a diagnosis sure. is concerned. My general experience is like, go to a specialist. They tell you, I can't help you. Go to this specialist. And right. that cycle goes on for years. Yeah. Um, but you really have to advocate for yourself. You have to ask questions of like, okay, if this if this number on my blood test is low, why are we not doing this? Yes. And that seems to open doors. Like mm-hmm. I have become my own doctor. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, my legs aren't working. Uh, I've been using a cane. What if I tried a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, and that opened up this whole new world. Yeah, so yeah. I've, I've had to kind of be the person asking those questions. Yes. And then because I'm not a doctor and I'm not a healthcare professional, um, Sometimes it's it's just as much as like doing some research and coming up with new ideas to suggest to your doctor for them to try. Totally. Getting a diagnosis sucks. The system is like all built against you. So it's really, really difficult. It is. Um, but that leads well into catching everyone up on my situation because we, you know, we accidentally found a couple of numbers off in my blood work. We mentioned this in the very first episode. Mm-hmm. We recorded that about nine months ago at this point. Wow. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Yeah. And we've made a lot of progress since then. So the two numbers that were off in my blood work were um, my ferritin level and my copper levels. Mm-hmm. So ferritin is iron serum. It's related to iron. Yeah, and your ceruloplasm, right? Yes, that's wrapped up in my copper levels. Okay, thank yeah. you, sorry. All right, see, yeah. learning curve for me too. Yeah, so like my ferritin was off and my ceruloplasmin was off, which mm-hmm. basically relates to copper and iron, so right. two minerals in right, the body. Right, 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 um, So my ferritin levels were really low, but my iron actual iron levels were normal, yes. which is kind of strange. Yeah. So I went through iron infusions, and I felt so much better at first. Yeah. You know, this is like the... <laughs> 
um, this is like the only period of me feeling good consistently that we've had in in the last couple of years uh, was mm-hmm. when I got these iron infusions. Yeah, and I was walking pretty well without yeah. the cane, and yeah. you know, this was before I started using a wheelchair. And this is when we were moving too, and yeah, you were like, which was lucky. Boxes in, and, yeah, 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 really yeah, lucky. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, you know, we don't really understand what happened because you know we checked my iron levels, my ferritin levels were were really high, really good. Yeah, we gave it a few months, and they dropped way low again. So mm-hmm. um, we got a new hematologist who was willing to kind of dig a little deeper because the first one was just, you know, not super helpful. Yeah. And he, he and I set up this plan where if my ferritin falls below 100, mm-hmm. we're going to give me some iron infusions. Right. Um, which is, you know, pretty high because for, for normal people, they actually consider your ferritin level to be normal if it's 20 or above. Yeah. But what we didn't know, which we learned by accident by seeing a uh, movement disorder neurologist, is yeah. that if you have a movement disorder, if you're having problems with your arms and legs, muscle, muscle spasms, strength issues, you want your ferritin to be above like 80 or 100, mm-hmm. just to make sure that that's not the cause. Yeah. Because there are some, there's a lot of research going on right now about this because mm-hmm. we are, you know, I've, I've found some, um, like a journal about ferritin being you know, below 80 and people having weird symptoms. And right. if you can get above 100, it seems to be normal. So we kept my ferritin up above 100. We did some more um, infusions, mm-hmm. iron infusions, and I felt no different. And it was infuriating. Uh, yeah. We thought we had found it. You yeah, know, it's it like this really iron upsetting. thing might be it. Um, and, you know, we're overdue for having me rechecked. We're going to yeah. go check my ferritin again. Mm-hmm. We're overdue because, like, hospital administration stuff is nonsense. Yeah. And I went in for the test and it wasn't drawn and we don't know why. Yeah. And then the, the test was missing from my chart. So I had to get it rewritten by someone else. And then we left for Tahoe so we couldn't get it done. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do it, you know, this week and recheck my ferritin. But um, based on, you know, the first result is like, wow, ferritin really helps if I can get my iron level up. Yeah. Second time we tried it, didn't make a difference. Right. And this has been my experience a lot, you know, like changing diets or trying a new medication. It's like at first, it's like, oh, my God, this might really help. Yeah. But then long term, it doesn't make a difference at all. It's like a scientific method, right? It's like you You got to repeat it. Yeah. You need you need to keep trying until you see a pattern or it's disproven. Right. You know? Yeah. So we're going to keep trying with the iron because we don't know what the, there is no pattern yet. No. You know, one time it worked, one time it didn't. So it's not enough information. We got to keep trying. Um, But, but what I've learned from my body in particular is that I I think that my body is, is lacking in something, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that my body is searching for something. Mm. So whenever I try something new, my body gets excited. (laughs) Like when I tried the keto diet, I felt really good at first, Uh but then I started to go back to normal. So I went off the keto diet and I felt really good at first. And then I went back to normal. (laughs) It's like my body is searching for something Mm -hmm. that, uh, and it doesn't know how to do it. So every time I introduce something new, my body is stoked. Um, But then after a while, my body's like, oh, this wasn't it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And then it goes back to business as usual. (laughs) That's what it feels like. So still a little early to tell, but it feels like the iron situation was that, Mm -hmm. you know, where like getting a lot more iron in your body you're going to feel stronger. You're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if it's, if your body gets back to normal iron level, sometimes it'll just stay there. Right. So we, we're still working on this, but it doesn't look like that is the no, answer. Right. Correct. So the other thing that we talked about was my ceruloplasmin and copper levels. This was first brought up by a rheumatologist um, who had you know listened to my symptom picture and and thought about wilson's disease mm-hmm. which is a copper accumulation that is caused by a genetic defect 
And, you know, having a lot of copper in your body can cause all sorts of problems, in- including everything that I experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like neurological issues, body pain, um, muscle spasms, uh, difficulty walking, uh, difficulty using your arms and legs, using your body, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so she ran a test for something called ceruloplasmin, which is... I think it's a protein, if I'm remembering correctly. It's something in your blood that actually binds to copper. Mm-hmm. So if your ceruloplasmin is low, um, then it's a sign that you might have high copper. Yeah. So she tested my ceruloplasmin and it was low. So then we did a urine test, a 24-hour urine collection test to look to see if I had a high amount of copper in my urine and it was normal. Right. So then um, that doctor said, I, I don't know what this means. Go talk to the hematologist. Mm-hmm. We talked to the hematologist who said... I've never seen this before. I don't think it's anything. <laughs> you know, like, I, I wouldn't know what to do with that. So, right. I don't know what to tell you. Right. I'm like, okay. And we were pretty pissed because we had, he didn't even offer any options right. or anyone else no. to talk to. No. Um, and that's why we switched hematologists because, like, he really just kept, t- like, shutting doors whenever mm-hmm. we had questions. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, I went back to the rheumatologist and said, hey, we haven't been able to figure out this copper level thing. Yeah. Um, is there another specialist you can send me to? And she recommended a hepatologist, yeah. which is a liver specialist who specializes in Wilson's disease mm. because traditional Wilson's disease is a uh, copper processing issue in the liver. Yeah. Um, so we went to the, the hepatologist and I've talked about this a little on the show where we thought that I might actually have Wilson's disease because right. we met with this doctor who said that I already met three of the four criteria for Wilson's disease. Um, she ran some blood tests and found that my copper level, my blood copper level was low. Mm-hmm. And it's been consistently low along with my ceruloplasmin for um, ever since we first checked it. We've checked it a bunch of times and that's been probably at least nine months at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and it turns out like the piece of missing information that all the other doctors didn't know because they aren't this particular specialist. Right. You there's know? only like 600 in the country that right. specialize with Wilson's. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like 600 hepatologists in the country that specialize in Wilson's, yes. which is a very low amount. Right. So the piece of missing information is that if you have low ceruloplasmin and low blood copper, you actually have to do a, an equation to figure out what your blood copper is because the blood copper binds to ceruloplasmin. So if your ceruloplasmin is low, um, you might have a lot more copper that is unbound in your blood, right. unbound to ceruloplasmin right. that is not accounted for in the blood test because it's only able to check for what is actually bound or copper. Or in the urine test, right? Well, the urine test is, is a little different. Oh, I'll okay. get to that in a second. Okay, okay. So basically by running this equation, um, it looks like my copper might actually be significantly higher than we thought. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the rheumatologist ran a blood copper level and it's like, oh, well, your ceruloplasmin and your blood copper are low. So I think you're normal. And that was going to be the end of it if right. I hadn't continued to pursue it. And then we finally figured out that that's not necessarily true. Right. It might be true, right. but we need to find some way to confirm my copper levels because right. they're either way too high or slightly too low. Yes. And we still don't know which is which. Yeah. But in a Wilson's patient, you expect to see low blood copper because you have to check the unbound copper. Or you can, yes. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out a way to do that. There's several ways to do it. One of them is to check for something called Kaiser Fleischer rings in your eyes which is when copper actually accumulates so much in your eyes that you can see it, like mm-hmm. an ophthalmologist can see it. So we went and had my eyes checked. I didn't have those. Yeah. Uh, another way to do it is to do a, um, a genetic test mm-hmm. to look for any of the genetic markers with Wilson's disease, mm-hmm. which we did, and I don't have any of them. So at first I thought that was a closed book right. on Wilson's disease. 
But um, I finally, like a month later, after <laughs> like mourning the loss of this potential diagnosis, yeah. um, I, I finally was able to speak to that hepatologist again, who mm -hmm. said that you might still have either some form of Wilson's disease with an unknown genetic mutation, mm -hmm. or there are a, a laundry list of other um, genetic diseases that can cause copper processing issues. Yes. One of, and I did some research, one of them even has low ferritin as a symptom. So, yeah, yeah. So the next step is to see a geneticist. Yes. And um you know look at are there any other genetic defects in my genome that could account for high copper mm -hmm. that might be an answer. Mm -hmm. Um so in the meantime my thought process is okay we have not dealt with this copper problem. If my copper is high then we need to do something called chelation which is when you take um a prescription medication that binds to copper and helps you pee it out. Yeah. Or zinc, because zinc is a mineral that naturally bonds to copper. It's like a naturopathic way to treat Wilson's disease or high yeah. copper is to take zinc. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that we can't confirm my copper levels. It's either too high or too low. So the other thing we could do is retest the urine test because that wasn't done correctly the first time. Right. Uh, you know, we just did a 24-hour urine collection. But if you're actually looking for copper levels, you're supposed to do chelation um, take a binder that will bind to copper and then test your urine throughout the day for mm -hmm. 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So we talked, we were talking about doing that, but the binder is um, penicillamine. It's called the penicillamine challenge. And when I was a baby, I had a questionable reaction to penicillin. So I've never taken it since because yeah. we think that I might be allergic because my dad is allergic, uh -huh. but we just aren't sure because I had a weird reaction as a child. Like I didn't respond to the drugs. Right. And because my, for, for like a bacterial infection, mm -hmm. and because my dad is allergic, the doctor felt like it was unsafe for me to ever take it again. Right. So, so we're at this point where it's like, well, we can't do the penicillamine challenge safely. And I asked the doctor, like, can I do this in the hospital? I'd, I'm willing to take the risk. Yeah. And I haven't heard back. Yeah. And it's been like two weeks. So yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but we did hear back from the geneticist after yeah, months. Yeah. It took months to hear back. And I have an appointment coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we're hoping that we can get a confirmation on the copper levels and try to treat it. Because it could be something where my copper level's too high. If we can get it down, yeah. my body might start to go back to normal. Yeah. With Wilson's disease, with copper levels, if it's too high for too long, it can cause permanent nerve damage. Right. So there's really no telling what's going to happen mm -hmm. next. We really don't know. We don't know. Um, and in the meantime, we've discovered that using a wheelchair is really helpful for me. You know, somewhere in the middle of all this process, I started using a wheelchair. It's mm -hmm. been probably like five months. What do you think? Four or five months? I don't know. I actually... Has it been that long? I'm not sure. Well, either way. It's been a few months. <laughs> it's been an amount of time. Yes. Time um, has passed. And what we've learned since I started using a wheelchair is that a lot of my problems seem to be significantly exacerbated by walking. Mm -hmm. um, I have constant pain in my right temple and my right foot. We don't know if it's nerve pain or neurological something going on, but whatever it is, the less I use my right foot, the better I feel. Yeah. And I haven't been able to exercise in like three, four, four and a half years, I would say, since I flared up. Yeah. Um, I used to run and I used to bike a lot and, mm -hmm. you know, play racquetball and I was very active mm -hmm. and I've been very inactive. And I know that with fibromyalgia, something that really helped me was exercise, you know, light exercise. If I did too much, I would wear myself out. If I did too little, it wasn't quite enough, but I did the perfect amount. It seemed to generate energy for my body so that I functioned better. Totally. 
And when I started using a wheelchair, I learned pretty quickly that I could actually exercise a little bit because I'm using my arms instead of my legs to propel myself. Yeah. And I'm getting off of my feet um, for, you know, I, you know, the most I was doing was walking my dog a couple of blocks and it was so painful. I couldn't go very far and I was leaning really heavy on the cane and yeah. it's just really hard to yeah, walk. Um, yeah. So now I'm, I'm walking as little as possible and using the wheelchair more and more building up strength to go further and further because when you first start using a wheelchair it's really really hard to go yeah. anywhere yeah but i'm i'm finding that i can build strength and not feel sick you know yeah. it used to be that when i did any physical activity i'd feel incredibly sick after mm. i feel like i've been poisoned and i'd be laid up mm -hmm. for days i know i've seen it many times like many i kept times. trying and i just couldn't do it and yeah. the doctors are like okay i know that exercise is really good for you but you should really stop because yeah. until we figure out what's going on with you this could be dangerous, could be dangerous. yeah um, but I'm, I'm not feeling that way about the wheelchair. I'm feeling safe and comfortable and mm -hmm. able to exercise mm. and do things. Yeah. So this was really put to the test in Tahoe. Yeah. Um, where we, you know, we've been going to Tahoe almost every year since we started dating. Well, yes. Your yeah. family, it's a tradition in your family. And yes. I've been lucky enough to be invited along. Oh, no, of course. But, but what I was going to say is, um, or not, of course, you're lucky enough to be invited along. <laughs> of course, you're invited along is what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I, the first two years you came, mm -hmm. you spent, mo well, okay. yeah. See, now we're into the, the Tahoe section. We're into the Tahoe so section. I want to respect how you want to tell the no, story. No, that's great. But, uh, that's great. Let's okay, go. Okay, the first two years you came... You, mostly, other than going to the pool, you stayed in the room. Yeah, and there I were was, certain family dinners you couldn't even come to that was even just you know in another unit. But you, but you were feeling so sick from I from the travel right. from all of the exertion of just getting there that it was really hard for you to do anything. Yeah, I I made significant progress on my Stardew Valley farm lying yeah. in bed. And watched some Survivor. And we watched a lot of Survivor. And it was, yeah. you know, it's really tough like to to go out of town and and be, feel so sick from just the travel day yeah. that I spent pretty much the entire time in bed. Yeah. And, and I didn't even go um the third year we were dating. That's the thing, right? So you had I just been... wasn't well enough. No. And the fourth year was COVID, so right. no one went. Right. So this was my fifth opportunity. And it was so different. It was so different. It was like a completely different experience. Yeah. It was the most that you have, I think, since since when we very first started dating. And like, I don't know, the first like nine months of that or year of that time to now, that was the most things consecutively mm -hmm. I've seen you do back to back to back to back day after day. Absolutely. And I felt great doing it. You were, you, I was like... I was sure. I kept bracing myself on the trip to be like, well, today's the day he's going to wake up and not be able to get out of bed. And it never happened. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of close calls, but I was able to push through it. It was because, amazing. You know, we found this like really great weed tincture, cannabis tincture. Oh, that's In true. Tahoe, one-to-one mm -hmm. -one CBD THC. That's like the magic thing mm -hmm. for me. And it's it was really great really helped my body feel better my yeah. head feel a little clearer yeah. Yeah. and you know me feeling really good i'm still in a lot of pain i still have some mental confusion totally. like tingly feelings on my arm and um i i don't feel i'm nowhere near feeling like healthy and well um but compared to how i was doing and how i've been able to experience tahoe in the past it was a night and day difference totally and the big thing that made the difference was the wheelchair yeah. i'm 100 percent sure about that because like the traveling yeah. was easy because yeah. you know i'm just rolling myself i'm not yeah. like 
you know, the by the time it was so fun. It was fun. Yeah. It wasn't just easy. It was fun. Yeah. We had a great time. We got yeah. there early. We like went to fireworks. We ate in the cafeteria. We had our Starbucks. Yeah. We bought some night shirts, you know, like <laughs> we just, we just had the best time. And yeah. I mean, normally you're just waiting from like, not waiting, but like walking really slowly next to me as I like mumble in pain trying to shuffle along right, get my worrying legs about you and hoping that you don't it doesn't increase your pain and then and like sometimes it, i like can't move because i have to stop yes, i get stuck or i fall it's yes none of that happens no, and in the relationship side of this like underneath all of that i'm also often feeling and i know i don't need to and i know you would never want me to feel this but guilt that like I mm. am taking, I want to go on this vacation and, right. you know, this is an experience I want to have. This is a need of me and to be with my family and all this stuff. And it's causing you and it's costing you so much just to show up. And while we have a really healthy relationship where we communicate around those feelings and I rationally understand that's not how I should be feeling. Mm. It's really hard not to feel that way. Yeah. And in this scenario, I was just like. We were just... We were just there. And we... and But because we've had the opposite experience, I actually think it enriched our ability. Like, who else is like, I had the best time with you in the airport, you right. know? <laughs> but we did because we have the perspective of like how actually valuable it is to just be able to go through the airport and not have to constantly be worried about how much pain it's going to cause or how am right. I going to get to the gate or how do we get these bags there because da, 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 or, you know, all these things. And, and that is a gift. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's had a really big impact. Well, first of all, I think we should talk about what you did in Tahoe. Yeah. Well, we did everything sitting down. Like there were so many, true. there were so many activities that were seated activities that I could do. But even some non, because you, you stood for all four uh, times we went to mini golf. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we went parasailing. Yes. Which was amazing. Yes. We went kayaking. Yeah. Jesse taught me. I used to teach kayaking back in college and I hadn't been in forever because I developed like a repetitive motion issue with my low back mm. because kayaking, when you do it properly, you use torso rotation. Mm -hmm. um, so, but you know, it was so good that I knew that about kayaking because when I first got in a wheelchair, yeah. my arms are like, oh my God, my arms are so tired. But mm -hmm. then I realized that if I use my my core, if I lean forward, yeah. like hold my arms stiff and then lean forward, right. I can power myself with my core. Yeah. And you know, that's the same theory in kayaking, like your core muscles are way bigger than your arm muscles. Totally. So you can go twice as fast immediately. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've realized that about the wheelchair and, and it's really helped me with my distance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we went kayaking for the first time forever. And I was like, wow, I miss this so much. And if I don't teach it like several times a week, I won't have to worry about that repetitive back yeah, problem. Yeah. If we go like a few times a year, or yeah. get back into like river kayaking or yeah, whatever up here in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. Just so excited about those options. We actually went... Um, we went down a river on a raft, like yeah, river rafting. Yeah, that's true. With your right, whole family. Right, right, And right. that's just like sitting down and paddling. And I can do that. You were amazing. And you it was so fun. I've never yeah. been on a river my whole life. Like yeah. we went down some like really light rapids and it was just incredible. Like what an amazing experience mm -hmm. to go from like not being able to do much of anything to be able to like go out and do all these outdoors activities. Absolutely. The thing I struggled with the most was the miniature golf. So yeah, we sure, had, sure. who's ever said that before? Um, <laughs> so there was like two golf courses, one, uh, and you know, the wheelchair just did not fit. And yeah, yeah. Um, I would just have to be like sitting down and standing up constantly. Mm -hmm. So 
what I figured I'd do is just like sit on the benches yeah, and just kind of give myself that experience because mm-hmm. it's a small course. And that worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, by the end of the course, I was really tired. My brain was starting to scream at me. Yeah. I was getting bad at golf and, you know, it's time to lie down, yeah. but I was able to do it. We went to a, a, another course that was nearby and mm-hmm. they didn't have benches and I had to tap out pretty early. Yeah. You know, I just, the longer I stand, the longer I walk the more of my weird symptoms I experience. Mm. And this is diagnostically relevant as well, because mm-hmm. like, why is that happening? You right, know? right. Um, you know, why can I do physical activity with my arms and not feel sick? And when I do it with my legs, I do feel sick. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I could have done this at any point. Right. I could have gotten in a wheelchair at any point and gotten some semblance of my life back. Because mm. now I'm like, I might be able to go out to like get drinks with friends or yes. you know like go see people or go yes. to the park yes. as long as i do it in a wheelchair we're i feel like trips we're like i know like we're now planning stuff yeah which we've never planned before so big worst case you can just roll me if like if if I i'm know. like really wrecked that day yeah. you can just push me somewhere well and feel free to cut this if you want <laughs> like now i just want to talk a little bit about like its effect on our relationship and sure. where we've been in our relationship and like this I feel fine talking okay, about that. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, so you're going to hear this, everyone. Okay, so, <laughs> so you know, Jesse and I have been in couples therapy for a while now. Um, yeah, I'd say about a year. Yeah, I think it is about a year. And we really like our therapist. Um, she's fantastic. And I know we talked about this on the first episode, that, like, if you can, if you have the resources to get couples therapy and you're open to it, it's so wonderful, no matter what your scenario is, not just people that have chronic health challenges in relationship, but anybody can benefit from it. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, with our therapist, we, I would say even as recent as a month ago, mm-hmm. we're talking about like what our relationship may have to evolve to um, options as broad as like breaking up to um, like, I mean, I can't even remember. All, we were like, something needs to shift and change. Yeah, the in the, order for the future to align. The general, the real, the general gist of it was that um, I feel like I am limiting Andy in a mm, lot of ways because mm. I spend so much time sick in bed, mm. and like she wants to live her life with her partner, and I'm unable to do so many things. It's just not fair. And I feel guilt over that. Like you were saying before, I know it's irrational. I know totally. it's not my fault, but yeah. I still, it feels like my fault. I hear you. Yeah. Um, and looking towards the future, like I don't feel like I'm in a position where I can have kids mm-hmm. or, you know, and I feel some guilt around getting married because if I, without a diagnosis, like if I have something that is, you know, terminal or yeah. something that is pro- progressive, right? Um, you know, and I do feel like in the last few years, it has definitely progressed, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I thought it was a flare up. I thought it was gonna be temporary. And instead I'm like, ended up in the worst place I'd ever mm-hmm. been years later. Yeah. Um, just like no end in sight. Yeah. Um, how do I ask someone to bind their life to mine in that scenario when I don't even know how much life I have left? So mm-hmm. a lot of complex feelings around this um, that we've been like talking through in therapy. It's like, yeah. Um, like, what do we do? It's just like, How we love we each just, other. We want to be yes, together, but yes. does it make sense? And you that's, know? you know, I mean, it's funny because like, I'm 32, Jesse's 36. Like you get into these adult relationships and, and you, and I, I know I hear stories about this. I know this, that it's not when you get into later in life and you meet these amazing people that, you know, you, you, as you date, you know what you need more, you know what you're looking for. 
And it's not that you're not in love. It's not that you don't have a healthy relationship even. It's that sometimes you look towards your futures and you look at the paths you both are able to or want to walk down. And if they don't, if they can't align, despite all those other wonderful things you have, you start to realize, well, what does that mean for us? Right. And I think what's interesting is with us, it's it's not necessarily I see this path and I see this path and they don't align. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, here's my path. And then you have like, 40 paths that could possibly align or not. And right. and that has been really hard because we really haven't been able to make plans. And I'm talking like big future plans, but I'm also talking like we were just saying, we've never been on a vacation, the two of us, Ever. in four and a half years. We've only done family trips because yep. I they're so taxing for me that yes. I've had to like save up my energy. We got home from Tahoe and I feel great. I'm like, I want to go do more shit. I know. I it's, know it's and, mind-blowing and it's like I, the simplest thing you know, know just get off my feet and here's another thing I really want to say which is like there was also this conversation around well it feels to me like and and again this is not what I'm saying this is not how I feel but I totally think it's legitimate that Jesse has felt this at times of like unless I get better you won't choose me yeah 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 and um and I've always said it's not unless you get better you don't have to get better for me to know that it's like it's like i i don't have one of the 40 paths that i'm like unless you're on that path right i'm gonna choose you but there are some of the 40 paths where it's like well if i want children and you really that is just not something you can do or want like what does that mean and how do you decide which things are bigger and which things are worth blah 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 like you know but now and I know it's such a small thing, but after Tahoe, like there are of those 40 paths, I'm seeing like such an array of paths moving forward for us. You yeah. Know? I mean, so many that we just hadn't even considered. No. Um, yeah. And you just to clarify, like I grew up, I always wanted to have kids. Yeah. And it wasn't right. until like the last five years where it's been me feeling like I wouldn't be able to be present enough to be a father. Mm. And I don't want to do that, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but now like everything's back on the table. Like, I know, like my it's whole so life weird. is back on the table. If I, I do it from a wheelchair. Yes. And, and I, I want to also be clear that like, no part of me has any reservation about you being in a wheelchair at all. Which I really appreciate. Cause I was really has... worried about that at first. I and, mean, you know, it's really weird for me because like I can walk, I just can't walk very far, far like yeah. i can i can like our friend alexandra came to visit and we walked down to coffee and i couldn't make it back to the apartment without right. so much help and right. so much pain right um and i it shocked me because like we'd been locked up for covid for so long yeah that i just didn't even know how weak i had gotten mm. but the weirdest thing is like when i'm in the wheelchair i feel strong you're so strong i feel fast you i feel are. nimble i feel like alive and awake yeah and, yeah um like when I'm walking, I just feel like dull because yeah. the pain is so intense yeah. and, and especially my right temple and my brain stops working. Mm-hmm. And you know, this still happens to me in the wheelchair, sure. just like a lot later where my brain stops working. Like, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. when you're so tired that if someone asks you to add two and two together, you're yeah. like, fuck you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, do yeah, addition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that throughout the day, if I, if I like, you know, by the end of the podcast, I'm sure I'll feel that way. Or like, if I'm trying to do some complicated video editing, I'll feel that way. Yeah. And if I, you know, when I was working, when I was trying to write leases for people, yeah, I was like, I don't remember what words or numbers are. Sure. Like, it, it something that was so easy became so hard. Totally. Like this brain fog, this yeah. mental, like mental issues that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like when I'm when I'm like out in the woods mm-hmm. doing like repetitive motion on a boat mm. that feels like physically not very strenuous but mm. just strenuous enough yeah I like got back in touch with this um part of myself that can do things yes and it was so powerful and a big part of that so we we rented the uh the grit freedom chair right we got to talk about this we have to um, so your dad had um sent me this info about the grit freedom chair mm-hmm. I don't remember how he had heard about it like I think he knows someone who runs the company the or something. the owner of the company or is in somehow involved. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I don't know. Wh- whatever it was. <laughs> he's, he's, he was aware by yeah. some means. <laughs> so it's basically a all-terrain, uh, manually powered wheelchair yes. that uses levers instead of traditional hand rims. So you like push on these levers to push yourself. It has mm-hmm. two big tread back wheels and then one wheel out front. Um, it looks a little different from a traditional wheelchair, mm-hmm. but it is designed for, you know, to go off road with basically. Um, So he had gotten me in touch with the company and I called them and, you know, I said, I'd I'd really love to try one of these out. And we discovered that this company in Tahoe, a nonprofit called Achieve Tahoe Mm -hmm. actually had a couple of freedom chairs. Mm -hmm. So we rented one while we were in Tahoe, got to go try it out. Yeah. Um, And it just opened up this whole world to us because You know, just visiting at Achieve Tahoe, they had like skis for people in wheelchairs. Oh my gosh, amazing things. Yeah, they had like archery. They just had so much for people to do, um, you know, with like accessible, in an accessible way. Yes. Um, And and the people there were amazing. And I actually got the business card from the person who runs that foundation. And he's hopefully going to be coming on the podcast. He seemed very interested. So I'm going to reach out because I want to learn more about accessible sports. Well, and he was like... If you lived in Tahoe, we would be recruiting you to work here and volunteer here as a teacher. Because you also, I mean, your background in teaching kayaking, like that is just like opening up this realm to you too of like, I can be active and I can help other folks who are looking to be active but have physical challenges to also like have this level of accessibility. Yeah, I mean, I used to um, work for this camp once a year when I was teaching kayaking where mm-hmm. we would have kids with special needs come in. Yeah. And, you know, we would, you know, transfer kids from into a beach wheelchair, roll them down to a kayak and then transfer in the kayak. And then I'd like take them out for paddling. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. It was amazing. Like I met so many cool kids mm-hmm. and just people all over the, you know, ability spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really wonderful. And mm-hmm. it's just so interesting that, you know, piecing all these pieces together now where I need these things and I didn't know that I needed them. And I didn't know that so many of these things existed. Right. You know, I'd never heard of like skiing sitting down before. Yeah. And he showed us the skis and they're super cool. It's like, I might be able to do that. He was talking about like wheelchairs made for playing tennis. Like, yeah. And you know, you're not, you weren't a big tennis person, but you loved a racquetball. You told me that. And I, all of a sudden I was like, oh, he could probably play racquetball with one of those, you know, like just just so many things. Going from like, I can't do that. I can't do that. to maybe I could do that. Yeah. It just happened like overnight because of using the wheelchair. And now like learning about this, other accessibility stuff. It's so and cool. The Grit Freedom Chair was fantastic. I yeah. had a really great experience. If you want to see him in it, you can go <laughs> yeah, to that's the true. TikTok for Major Pain. Yeah, uh, on TikTok at Major Pain Podcast, I posted yeah. some videos about the Freedom Chair. And some footage of you in it. Yeah, exactly. You had an um, amazing videographer for that. I really did. Thank you so much. <laughs> but basically, you know, I can go hiking now yes. in this chair. Right. Like we went for a hike 
and I was able to go off-road in this chair. I was jogging after you. <laughs> yeah, like the, the trail we went on, it was a paved trail that mm-hmm. had a whole bunch of like off-road sections that yes. we kept going into because, you know, I really wanted to be off-road because I hadn't been able to do that in f- at least five years yeah. of like going out in the woods and not being on a trail. Right. I don't, I don't even remember the last time I did that. Wow. Uh, definitely not since you and I met. Yeah. And it was so amazing because I just remember like growing up in San Diego, I used to drive places where I could like go Mm. out on some dirt trail and then Mm. walk down to the creek and, you know, stick my toes in. And like we went down to the creek in the woods. Yeah. And I I just, I I completely stopped thinking about doing things like that. It didn't even occur to me to try because it was so far away from where I was. Right. But, you know, getting into a wheelchair and now seeing this like different type of wheelchair that goes off road. It's like, wow, there are tools out there yes. that I could go do things. Yes. Um, just like not even realizing that I had the strength because I have the strength in my arms, just not in my legs. Yeah. And as someone who has been able-bodied my whole life, it just didn't occur to me to try using my arms. Of course. Because why would it? You know? yes, no, no doctor totally. ever brought it up. No right. doctor ever brought it up. Right. It was completely something that I thought of, you know, after years of not being able to do so, it's like, man, right. I think I might. And I didn't think of it because I wanted to do stuff with it. Mm-hmm. I thought of the wheelchair because I was having so much of a hard time mm-hmm. walking that I didn't think I could do it anymore. Right. And we got the wheelchair as kind of like, oh, man, I'm really declining. You yeah. know, we need yeah. to get a wheelchair to get me anywhere outside of the apartment. And it's given me so much of my life back and yeah. some of my strength back. And now I'm getting a little bit of exercise and starting to feel better in the yeah. way that my body needs right. and has always needed. But we thought, it didn't because I was feeling sick after working right, working out. Right. So, yeah, this it's just really it's just like bending my brain, you know. Me too, man. Yeah, it's really it's really crazy. It is, and it feels like, and you know, it's a cliche, but it is a game changer. Like, yeah. it, I don't know. I mean, this is very personal kind of things to talk about in terms of our relationship and how it affects our future and all those kinds of things. But I, when we first met, I really remember um, like we were having conversations about how like, we don't want to be in an ordinary relationship. Like (laughs) we want to be in a magical, ridiculous, amazing relationship. And that we are both so happy on our own that we don't need a relationship in our lives to like, that's something we desire, but unless the relationship is awesome and incredible and like like improves upon us and makes us better it's that's then we either then don't want one or we want that one yeah right and um i never have felt through our journey that we didn't have an amazing relationship like but going through all of this it's funny because in some ways there were moments where i felt that this these challenges were the things that were preventing us from live having our best relationship. And I'm starting to really think that it's actually these challenges that give us the opportunity to explore our creativity and our connection together and our ability to overcome things that is going to make our relationship the most magical and the most amazing. Yeah. And that like, it's redefining for me what that all has to mean. And in some ways it's also, it's opened us up to like, not follow the traditional path of like, because I don't think we would have moved into two apartments if you didn't have health challenges. Yeah. And it's actually been incredible. Yeah. We're still loving it. Loving it. And 
I don't know. I just, I love every piece of you. I think you're so awesome. Oh, well, and, I feel the same way. And, you know, you asked me, we had an interesting conversation in bed. I was jokingly like, if on our first date, I had was everything was exactly the same. I acted the same, everything, but I was wearing a fake mustache the whole time. Would you still want to be with me? And like we laughed about that. And then I was like, what about you? Do you have an example of give me a like, what if my yeah. nose hairs were my eyebrow hairs or whatever, you know? But then you actually were like, Well, I actually kind of want to ask if I was in a wheelchair on our first date would you still want to be with me? Like, would you have gone on another date? And when you ask that, it really, <laughs> it made me feel so, um, like, of course I would. Like, I, I, like the, the fact that that was a factor, I hadn't thought about how that might be affecting you or you're like, you're worrying about how it affected the way I looked at you or I don't know how I see, th- see things for us. But, like, I think your wheelchair is hot because <laughs> I look at you. First of all, I mean, your body is beautiful no matter what, but you are getting buff. Like, you're wheeling <laughs> your body around. And also, like, it allows you to do so much and it allows our lives to be so much fuller. And, like, when I see you in that wheelchair, I see so much strength and such an incredible person and like that would never prevent me from wanting to be with you or or any it's like the opposite you know but i will say when we were talking about the wheelchair it really did signify initially decline and i yeah and that and it's been shocking how much that has flipped the script and not been at all the experience yeah they don't tell you about this like this is i don't know if this is i mean i i you know part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast is because like, I don't know. No one knows what's normal in these scenarios because like people don't talk about it that much. Right. Cause it's, you know, I don't know. It feels like it's supposed to be behind closed doors or that people don't want you to, you know, talk about anything that isn't perfect all the time. Like this veneer yeah. of perfection right. that we present on social media and all that. Right. But also and everything you said was just so wonderful. I just really appreciate that. And I, I love you so much. And thank you. <laughs> of That's course. Awesome. I love you too. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that when I thought of, whenever I thought about a wheelchair when I was younger, it's like the idea of being in one is terrifying. Mm. You know, the idea of needing one is terrifying. Mm. And I've talked to a lot of people about their health journeys and the, you know, wherever they're at on their journey, Mm -hmm. I feel like whenever someone brings up, well, I might need a wheelchair someday, it's, you know, it's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm here to tell you that, like, if you need a wheelchair, it can be a freeing, wonderful, thing that will give you some of your life back absolutely and i i i'm loving it we actually just pulled the trigger on getting me a fancy wheelchair yeah um we're getting a rogue from key mobility Mm -hmm. we went and tried out a bunch and cody thank you so much the guy who helped us yeah try out chairs um he brought in a bunch for me to try Mm -hmm. and this one chair just like fit yeah. you know yeah it, it just felt amazing like the chair i have is um you know is not great <laughs> yeah it feels like it's falling apart it's all a the time. hospital chair yeah. it's well maya said to you like that's the worst kind of chair you can yeah. have and i've since learned since talking to maya um that my chair is a rental you know I, yes right which i didn't even know like they didn't even tell me I anything know, they just like handed me a wheelchair and shooed me out the it door it was the wrong size for you it was the, yeah i yeah, had to ref- yeah, yeah. i had to replace it because it was the wrong size yeah and uh what was the other issue with Veered the first to one the right oh yeah the first chair i got always went right yeah 
So when we replaced it, I'm like, do you guys have anything narrower? Because this is way too big. Right. Uh, and then like got a helpful person on the phone who's like, oh, no, this is a rental that you're kind of renting to to own but like right. it's through insurance so i don't pay for any of it right. so they didn't tell me any of this right. Right. I, they just handed me the wheelchair i thought it was mine yeah. yeah um and we actually had the option to go through insurance to get me a fancy chair but that we first started talking about that about four or five months ago mm -hmm. i would say and the process hasn't even started no and because and, it's mm -hmm. so slow it's slow and so cody yeah. told us that if they see you stand up that's over. yeah like that anybody who has any amount of ability in like their lower body, insurance. Yeah. insurance just is kind of like... And that's not like a sure thing, but... No, no. We, we had a strong feeling that I would go through this process, and it might take the better part of a year to try to get a nice chair, and I still might be denied. So we decided to just go for it and, mm -hmm. and buy one. And luckily, yeah. I have people in my life that can help support me financially in moments of crisis, you know, yeah. <laughs> where I yeah. really need something. Um, you know, because I haven't been able to make a living in almost five years at this point. Yeah. But, you know... This Join the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash Major Pain Podcast. I'm trying to turn this podcast into something that can generate a little bit of revenue to help ease the burden of paying for all yes, this stuff. Right. And, you know, I'm nowhere close to being able to afford my own rent or anything. So that's my first priority is like make sure this podcast is self-sufficient and then hopefully um, make some rent money. And then, you know, beyond that is my wildest dreams. So, <laughs> and the wildest dreams have so many cool things involved. Like, because you were just saying like, you were fortunate enough to have people in your life and resources to help, mm -hmm. you know, but, but there are a lot of people who don't. And like, imagine if you got to the point where you could raise money for somebody to, to get their wheelchair you exactly. know like that's the kind yeah. of thing it just would be incredible yeah like someday i'd like to start a foundation mm -hmm. and i was thinking like what about a foundation that sent people on accessible vacations yeah because sure. it did so much for me or, or that was a piece of it yeah i want to help people who are undiagnosed i want to eventually figure out how to do it like i want right. to get a diagnosis yes. for myself and then um, I'd love to help people do that, but it's so individual for every different person. I Absolutely. wouldn't know how to approach that, you know, yeah. but I'm, I'm learning as I go along. Absolutely. But also like just realizing that there are whole companies that send people out on accessible vacations, yeah. like go to yeah. achieve Tahoe and you could do all sorts of stuff that you'd yeah. never thought of before. So yeah. there's just so much out there that I didn't know about and would love to experience for myself and help other people experience, you know, totally. like the grit freedom chair was such a cool thing. And like, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's all it's all so exciting. And now I'm just feeling excited to like get out in the world and do some stuff. Yeah. Um I'm excited to see how much this can help me physically. Right. Because like I'm starting from a much better place than I was and I know I'm just going to build from there and now I feel like I'm building again mm -hmm. as far as building back some health, mm -hmm. which I haven't felt like since I first flared up. Mm -hmm. Um and it's all because of the wheelchair, you know? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, I mean if you I know I know people that are really resistant to using a wheelchair mm -hmm. who may may benefit from one now mm -hmm. but can still walk mm -hmm. can walk with a lot of struggle and a lot of pain but can still do it and I know the value in pushing yourself to do that I know that yeah but if you are, if your life is severely limited because of that you should have a wheelchair mm -hmm. you know if it if it makes it so that you can like take your kids to the mall or yeah um, just like walk your dog or whatever it is right. that right. is so hard for you right now. Um, yeah. If you're struggling with mobility, at least try it. Totally. You know, it's it's been a night and day difference in my life. 
Yeah. And, and it's yeah. the first night and day difference that we've found that has consistently helped. And not only that, but is like continuing to surprise us yes, with what it can do for me. It's not just helping and then plateauing and then in, in many cases, as like you spoke ferritin, about. Like the ferritin, yeah. Yeah, not helping at all. But it is actually, it continues to help in more and more ways. Yeah. And it's just extending your good days further and further. And yeah. it's, I want to speak to one more quick thing, which is that I have noticed myself like waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit <laughs> because in so many of the experiences we've had with things that help you, like yeah. you were speaking to at the beginning of the episode, it feels like they, they just don't actually after a certain amount of time continue to work or help. But for the first time, like with the wheelchair, I have to keep reminding myself like, no, this is like a logical and reasonable thing to be excited about and like put your <laughs> trust in that this will help. Yeah. Because it's not the promise of some cure. It's not the promise of a diagnosis that isn't maybe if the testing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's a tool. It's a tool that is providing you with more knowledge about your body and more ability to like explore parts of yourself that you have put on the back burner because you thought weren't possible and like all these things like that is a reasonable thing to be excited about and like invest in you yeah, know absolutely and um and i just have to remind myself like you need to stop bracing for what if dot 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 happens or what if it gets worse or what if we don't find the answer but 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 like because you're missing what's already happening like yeah. and what's already happening is that this has been amazing and like yeah. we, I've just been so much more present with you and we, I don't know, I just, it's been amazing. It's been really incredible. So also just to the friends and family and community of people who may be considering wheelchair use or maybe just got a wheelchair or whatever that looks like, just to know that like this, this is a really, can be a really positive thing. Yeah. And I think we should do an episode about like things to know about folks in wheelchairs too, of terms of, um, not, you know, like you were talking about how people always want to help you <laughs> and how like it's yeah. actually there are moments where you understand where it's coming from and it's that's great, but it's also not helpful sometimes, you know, or it yeah, feels... Yeah, like when people are kind of like following me and like trying to make sure that I, you know, don't have to lift anything else or yeah. you know, go through a door unattended. It's like the whole point of this is that like I... I can do things for myself because of the wheelchair that I couldn't do otherwise. Right. And I'm so excited to do them. Right. You don't need to, to you don't need to protect me. You don't right. need to, you're taking something from me. Right. In a way, if you do yes. that. Yes. And, and like, I, it's, you know, um, I'll ask, like, if I want someone to hold a door open for me, like, do you mind holding that door for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, um, totally. Uh, but yeah, there's been a lot of situations where people have kind of been like, going out of their way to try to help me mm -hmm. in a way that feels really uncomfortable and in yeah. some cases takes away yes. from what I can achieve. And I mean, I will include myself in that. Like we are really working on when, you know, like I'm walking next to Jesse and there's a big hill or there's a crack yeah. in the sidewalk or something where I keep being like, well, if you, if you want me to, you know, if you need a help, you need a hand, please let me, you know, you just let me know. And you're always like, I will like, you know, you don't have to keep bringing that up, you know? Yeah. And, and I know it and I'm working on it. It's yeah, definitely something getting, I can improve on. You're already getting better. But and yeah. when, when at first I started wheeling, I couldn't get up any hills at all. Mm -hmm. And now the fact that I can is incredible. Yeah. 
And sometimes I do need help mm-hmm. and I'll ask for it. Right. Like sometimes I make it halfway up a hill and I'm like, my le- my arms are just done. done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the new chair is going to help with that so much because totally. it's so much easier to move. It's like, yeah. you know, I can go twice as far with the same amount of energy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, things are just getting better, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's it, true. My life doesn't look at all like what I thought it would be, mm-hmm. but it's so much better than it was last month. Yeah. And you know, we were getting to like a pretty dark place, yeah. both in our relationship and with my feeling about where my health was going and my feelings of like hopelessness around yeah. not being able to find anything that was helping. Mm. And we finally found one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not just a new medication to try or a new diet to try. Right. It's something that I can just tell is working for me. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, it's not just making my life easier, but it's allowing me to build strength and endurance again, yeah. which is really helping everything. Like, yeah. you know, it's the, the cycle of not being able to exercise, but needing exercise mm-hmm. to deal with chronic pain mm-hmm. is really, really, really hard. Absolutely. And I've tried over and over all these different things yeah. to make it easier. And the wheelchair has been the number one mm-hmm. best thing that I have found mm-hmm. for getting back into that exercise cycle a little bit. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? My brain isn't feeling great right now. My body feels like it might be on its way down. I'm just going to go out for a roll and see how that feels. Yeah. And oftentimes it really helps. Yeah. 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 So obviously, you know, still dealing with my copper levels, hoping to get a diagnosis there. Um, There is a potential future in which I won't need a wheelchair. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, but that's not the point. Like the point right now is that... um, I'm fi- I found something that's worked and is helping. And yep. now I think about like the future in which I'd need a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And it doesn't feel mm-hmm. oppressive. It no. feels like, well, I really like this chair that I'm getting. Yeah. And I'm going to go kayaking and I'm going to use this grit freedom chair. Yeah. And of course, there's still that fear of like, well, what if my arms eventually decline the way that my leg has declined? Mm. And, you know, th- my brain goes there sometimes. Mm. But right now, like... That's not happening. Right. So I don't need to worry about that. Totally. I just need to live in the moment, enjoy the moment because I have moments that I can enjoy yes. outside again for the first time in so long. Yeah. I can like go to the park or I can, you know, go do all these things. Yeah. And I just need to enjoy that. And, Absolutely. You know, what may or may not happen is not in my control, but how I feel about myself and my body and what I do with myself is in my control. Mm-hmm. And I finally feel like I'm able to assert some control over that in mm. a positive way for the first time forever. And I'm just celebrating it. So happy yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. This was awesome, Andy. Yes, this was super fun. So great. Um, you know, from time to time, we'll do episodes like this yeah. where we'll just talk to you guys about what's going on with yeah. us. Because it yeah. just, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that when people come on and share their stories, that the episode is really about them. Absolutely. And, I just want to, you know, make sure I'm not taking away from my guests that are coming on to share their story. So if I have a lot to say about myself, I'm sure we'll do this again in the future. Yes. And you know, if I get a diagnosis, we're doing this. Oh, heck yeah. And, you know, also if, I I don't know, you know, I I also think that the show is driven by the guests, no question. But if you have questions for Jesse or me or about our relationship or how we deal with certain things, because I certainly have felt being in a partnership at a, at a fairly young age with someone who is dealing with some really intense chronic health challenges, because I think when I've looked to, um, well, maybe someone who would have a similar experience to me, it's always people that are older. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, if I had had, I've always found myself wanting a resource of like, well, how do couples that are, you know, 
in or at, at any age really like deal with these challenges yeah. especially not having a diagnosis because there's support groups or you know for specific people and but but with us who we don't have like a a diagnosis i wanted that resource so if you have any questions about anything individually or for us as a couple or whatever you know please write to the show we're always happy to do more of these this isn't yeah this isn't something that's going to be like a regular thing all the time but but absolutely we could we could address any questions and build on the community that's already forming yeah which that's is awesome absolutely and the email address is majorpainpodcast at gmail.com and speaking of building on the community, I would love your help getting some more uh, positive ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've been hovering for the last couple of weeks, and I would love to see that continue to go up. So uh, find the show Major Pain on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a positive rating and review. Really, anywhere you listen to podcasts, that can be helpful. Um, write to us. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find the show on um, on TikTok and Instagram at Major Pain Podcast if you'd like to interact. Um, and yeah, just, you know, keep those emails coming. I love that email from Morgan. It obviously sparked like a whole half hour of conversation. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so yeah, as Andy was saying, if you have questions, let us know. And if you email us and you want us to discuss something on the show, it's really helpful if you let me know, just because some of the emails I get are very personal and I don't feel like they are um, meant to be shared. So yeah, if you're writing, say, hey, just let me know if you're comfortable with it being on the show and send me your pronouns. It's actually really helpful as well to know mm-hmm. uh I, I don't want to, you know, misidentify anyone when we're talking about what you say on the show. So, yeah, addressing emails is is something that I have some fear around because mm-hmm. I am not a healthcare professional and I don't want to give. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I don't feel like I'm qualified to give advice, mm-hmm. but I'm absolutely qualified to answer questions about myself or you know what you know. Try me. Just you know. Yeah, our lived experience. Our lived experience. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If you if there's something that I don't feel qualified to answer, I'll let you know. But it's worth a try. And you may even find a guest who can answer it. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. So. If you have a question that you want me to ask the audience to see if anyone else has a answer to it, mm-hmm. I you know what I learned from going to Achieve Tahoe to this nonprofit is that there are a lot of people out there that want to help people like us yes. who are, you know, dealing with a disability or with chronic pain or with undiagnosed disease. Absolutely. And so many of those resources are unknown mm-hmm. to the people who need them. Yes. Um, that's, you know, what they said at Achieve Tahoe is like, our biggest problem is that people don't know this stuff exists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I didn't know it existed. And that's part of why I wanted to do this episode today was to talk about what we experienced. Yeah. Um, let's, let's like use this community to help each other. Absolutely. In any way that we can. Yes. And with that, let's wrap it up. This All was right. awesome, Andy. Thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate you I love doing you. this today. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to all of our $2 a month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, including Naomi Adele Smith, and our future producers at $25 per month. Learn more at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.